Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate with Stephanie podcast. I'm Stephanie, and this is Season 4, Episode 80. It is so good to be back for the second half of Season 4. If you're new to this podcast, I am an independent solo podcaster with a long-format show featuring solo episodes where I will chat about anything from sewing machines, quilting, garment sewing, to Netflix recommendations. In between solo episodes, I have guest episodes where I chat with quilters, bag makers, pattern designers, and more. I have some great guests lined up, and I think you will really enjoy them all. On the next episode, I am welcoming back returning guest Krista Watson from Krista Quilts. Our chat is filled with amazing nuggets of quilting knowledge, techniques, and information on innovative products. So uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, on the 24th, it will be Krista Watson on my show. For my patrons, Krista continues her chat with me and shares more in-depth tips on quick turnaround quilts, techniques, and her design wall and how you can install one in your sewing room. When you sign up on my Patreon page, you'll receive a bonus podcast every month. The link is in the show notes. And um, I do want to welcome a new patron, Karen. Thank you so much for joining my Patreon group. And you do have a lot of bonus episodes to dive into. Okay, so happy belated New Year. I can't believe we're like in the middle of February already. And this is like the shortest month of the year. So it's, I think February always flies by. Uh, And January was basically a blur to me. I was sick all month. uh, And I, it was either the flu from hell, or COVID also from H-E double hockey sticks. Uh, I took a couple of COVID tests at different times during my illness, beginning and middle, and uh, they were negative. So um, I don't know. My husband feels like, because he got sick first, and then I got sick uh, right after. And he thinks that that we may have had COVID. Um, He says that the tests are only about 75% accurate. So who knows, but it it was a doozy. I'm starting to feel better now, and I'm just struggling with getting some physical strength back. So um, yeah, it's that's hard because I have to really like push myself to do increase more and more physical activity every day, which uh, a lot of times I don't feel like doing. Um, so, but um, I'm doing it and I'm getting better, so that's great. And just in time for the second half of our season four. What do you think of the new year so far? You know, I'm not that big on new year resolutions, but I do like to reflect on the past year and what I would like to accomplish personally and professionally in this new year. Kind of like just giving me um, sort of a 
I don't know, a compass reading here at the beginning of the year. Let's see. So my personal kind of sewing and quilting um, goals that I'd like to accomplish is to complete all the quilts in my whip pile, work in progress pile. I've got four in progress, in various stages of progress. Mandalorian being the first up, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And uh, another one is I've got the top pretty much done. I just have to sew the rows together and quilt it for this other quilt. And I have um, probably about two-thirds of the Fancy Forest baby quilt blocks done. I have a, a bit of this commission quilt started. So they're all they're all started and in different stages of um, progress. So those are the four that I'm going to focus on first. And then the other thing I wanted to do is get my studio organized. It has become this cyclone, just crazy mess. It's weird because once I had it all cleaned, and usually I tend to focus on that part of it, like a deep cleaning around the um, beginning of the year. And I don't know how it gets into the state that it does. It's strange because my actual work table that is set up like cutting table height, and that's where I cut fabrics. Uh, I also have my Juki machine set up there. That table gets cleared off. Um, after every project so that I have a clear table because I can't start a project if there's a bunch of stuff everywhere on there. But <laughs> everywhere else, like little piles start stacking up. And um, after a while, it just, and you say, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it next week. And then by the time you realize it's like the following year. So that's where I'm at right now. But I did start and I... Um, I organized a countertop section that was covered with books, threads, and fabrics, you know, all these little odds and ends. And it felt so good to see it all clear and organized. So that was a good start. And I've got a lot more to go, but just taking one little section at a time. I also want to redo my design wall. And uh, I did a design wall with the foam um, insulation boards from the hardware store. And uh, my ceilings are, I think, n almost nine foot. They're eight and a half feet. I could leave it the eight feet by four foot and I taped the two together. So it's a nice eight by eight size. And I have the batting wrapped around it, but it was never affixed to the wall, mainly because my husband didn't want it put on there. <laughs> And um, it's a funny story, but I made it because I had, um, it was my first commission quilt and it was a king size quilt and I had to have a design wall, put it together and leaned it against this wall, which also leads into this hallway. And, um, you know, my husband's like, you're taking over everywhere up here. You know, his office is on one in the front part of this uh, we have a two flat, so he he gets the nice big front Chicago window, and uh, I get like the back part of the the two flat. And my sewing studio is in like the big kitchen space, so it's all converted to be our office and my studio and office space. I have a little tiny office um, 
uh, onto the back of the kitchen. And I love it. It's cute. It's cozy. But I had to like tell him, it's just temporary. I just need it for this project. (laughs) It's been temporary for like, oh my gosh, what's six years now. I think now he's resigned to the fact that it's staying. So now I want to make it permanent. Also, the other reason why I didn't put it up permanently yet either is because I had a grandiose idea of installing it on, you know, those barn door sliding doors. They've got the um, hardware mechanism above the doorway and it's on rollers on a track and then you can just slide it around back and forth. So I thought that would be great because it's partially going into a hallway and it's partially out in my sewing room. I thought it would be nice to be able to roll it over when I need it and tuck it back when I don't. Uh, but one day maybe I'll be able to do that because that is kind of like a dream thing of mine to be able to do. Um, however, it's just, um, there's just a lot to figure out and, uh, that hardware is, is, can get pretty expensive. I'm just going to do it like the Krista Watson way and attach it right to the drywall. Hers looks really nice and neat and it's 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 great. So that's that's where I'm going there. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is funny too because at the beginning of the year, I kind of just dream up all of these lofty goals. So this is one of those other lofty lofty goals is to paint my sewing room, uh, update the wall color. The wall color hasn't been changed in over a decade, and the wall color is a nice neutral. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's Alexandria beige from the Uh, historic Benjamin Moore paint colors, but I just want something different. I want uh, something sort of lighter uh, because the design wall that I'm going to remake, I'm using that gray flannel grid fabric, K-Facet, I think designed it. So I've got that already. It's ready to go. The wall color is kind of the same saturation as that gray background. So I want to lighten it up a bit. And uh, I really want like this really beautiful blush paint color, not too sweet. uh, And I have found the perfect color. I've ordered a little sample pot, so I'll make sure that it's going to work. It's the Pharaoh and Ball, and it's called Pink Ground. It's just a very beautiful blush color. It's hard to hard to describe, but it, it's light and airy, neutral. I can totally visualize that in there, and it would look beautiful behind that um, gray flannel design wall. And then other things on the wall that are put on the walls, like maybe some mini quilts and so forth would look really beautiful on that background. So that's my lofty goal. And um, what really makes it even more lofty is that um, I want to also paint the cabinets. There's a lot of like cabinet doors and some drawers. And it's in like, you know, this old um, wood finish that I just want to paint. And um, I'm really thinking of doing the arsenic color from Pharaoh and Paul. It's a really cool, um, oh, it's it's a green, but it's a blue green. And 
uh, you can, I'll put a picture of it uh, or a link in the show notes of what the arsenic color is. It's pretty cool. And it's a really nice, vibrant pop of color um, to contrast with the really soft um, blush pink ground color. All right. So, and professional goals, I'll just I'll just give you one general one and that is <laughs> my online shop. And I have to apologize that I did not get that EPP wreath pillow pattern out at the end of last year. And it's just um it's not a dead project. I just started way too late in the year. And just didn't really take into account how long it really takes. It just it doesn't take me long to design something. It takes me longer to figure out because I don't have the template set up yet for the pattern and the graphic design and then writing out the instructions and all the step out photos. So that is the stuff that takes a really long time. So I will be working on that. That is a goal for this year. I'm not going to tell you when <laughs> because... When it's done, it'll be done, and then I'll let you know. Yeah, that's a much better way to do it. I have got some retail confessions I have to share with you. During the downtime of not feeling well, I couldn't sew or quilt, and I got my some of my creative therapy by way of retail therapy, and I, you know, I watched a lot of YouTube, Creative Bug, uh, and so I, I bought fabrics and fabrics and fabrics <laughs> all in January. It's crazy. I, I'm putting myself on a, on a freeze, a fabric freeze right now. So let's start with, okay, I started in January, it was in the middle of the month, and I I had been sick already for two weeks, but I was not going to miss this workshop that I had signed up for. It was a virtual workshop, and it was perfect. It was perfect timing just to lift my spirits. I was getting pretty down, and it was the Quilt Folk workshop with Jenny Smith and Kafe Facet. Uh, and uh, the project is a tumbling blocks quilt. It was a great workshop. I really enjoyed it. And it wasn't just, you know, going through the pattern. That was part of it. But they um, interspersed videos and they went on site to Kafe's home. He invited them in and we all got to see his color lab. I think that's what they call it studio at his home and he is a collector um, of certain things like pottery um, and so forth and it was just really 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 fascinating to um, hear her interviews with him he has so many stories he just turned 84 in December and he is still going and going strong and he is a fabric designer for um, with free spirit fabrics and I have to say his his um his fabrics are known to be very bright uh, large patterns and um, busy. So some people 
just feel like, oh, I can't, I could never do that. I can't. Uh, however, he does have fabrics and some collections that are pastel and um, low volume. And his more recent collection has some black and white uh, prints. So it may you may be able to take a look at it again if you originally were like, oh, it's just too much um, because his fabrics are really absolutely gorgeous. And the colors, even though some of them are super bright and saturated, the colors are done in a way where they can work with so many other colors and be paired with um, solids and stripes and dots and other things. So they lend themselves to be very versatile. In preparation for this workshop, I needed to uh, order fabrics. And of course, they had to be CAFE fabrics because it's a CAFE workshop. <laughs> so I that's what I did. And I, I got a bunch of fabrics and um, that was really fun. And that was like the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the fabrics. So the next pineapple fabrics had knitting themed fabrics on sale. They were Moda, Ruby Star, the Pearl Collection. Pearl meaning P-U-R-L, the type of knit stitch. And I need to make organizers for my circular needles and some project bags for knitting and crochet projects. So this was perfect. And this is something that has been on my mind for a while. I just have my circular needles and some supplies all tossed into a one of those clear boxes. And so it would be so much prettier if it was made from this Moda um, pearl fabric, right? And it's when you see it on sale for like half price. Yeah, you got to do it, right? You got to jump on it. So that's what I did. So that's also, oh, now I'm creating more projects for myself, of course. <laughs> um, however, hopefully I will get to it soon. All right. And then just a week ago, Duckadilly. Duckadilly is a fabric shop studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I get a lot of my Liberty of London Tanalon fabrics there. This um, shop only sells Liberty. It specializes in Liberty fabrics. And as you know, they are pricey. And when you first get on the website and you see the price of $9, that's per quarter yard. <laughs> she sells... Um, really lovely little stash packs. So you can get a bunch of different fabrics in the smaller pieces for English paper piecing projects and quilting projects and maybe like little zip bags and purses projects. She has remnant sales a couple times a year and they are 50% off. And in the past, I have not done very well with their remnant sale. For instance, the last sale, because I'm on their email list, and apparently so are a million jillion other people. <laughs> and when the way she does this is she starts it at a specific time. And in my time zone, it is 12, no, it is 11 a.m. You have to be ready 
And when you go on, this is the other thing that makes it very hard. None of these fabrics are shown before the sale starts. So you have no idea what fabrics are in the sale. And there's tons of scrolling and scrolling and more fabrics keep appearing you know, every couple minutes for a while, because there takes a while for all of those to load. And if you spend any time of hesitation and you'll put a fabric in your cart and you do not check out right away, it will be gone. I have learned that the hard way a few times. So this time I was ready for it. I had my timer to remind me like a half hour before the sale, 10 minutes before the sale. And so I got my um, my iPad ready. It was on the website. I'm scrolling through and I see a couple of fabrics. There's this one I really wanted. It was the one that had the little birds and the birdcage on there. Gone. Like I put it in the cart and then I kept scrolling, went back to the cart. That was gone. Someone had purchased it already. Then I was like, all right, here's what I got to do. I have to put stuff in the cart and check out right away. Go back, shop some more and check out. So I did this. I did three orders with them. Yes, I paid $6 shipping for each order, but I got more of what I wanted. And I also... I also lost out on a bunch too, because every second you take is another second where someone else is taking it from your cart and checking out. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so it's pretty stressful. I really don't look forward to those, but I do like, I like to do it because I like to get some, some of this tan lawn for 50% off. I did pretty well this time. And in fact, I spent what I consider an obscene amount of money on these Tanalon fabrics. But I got a few that are really nice and I really liked. And I got a couple of remnants that were three yards each so I can make clothing from those. And um, there's anything from like a uh, nine inch or 12 inch piece remnant to seven yards. And you have to, if it's seven yards, you have to buy all seven yards. And that's the other thing. The little tiny size ones go quick. And the larger yardage ones go slower. You want to like focus on those little guys first. Why am I telling you this? Because now I'm going to have even more competition the next time. <laughs> but um, I do want to share it because I finally figured out a system that works for me. Um, and, and and it was fun, although stressful. It was fun because um, I was happy with what I was able to get. So yeah, I, so now we've got the K-Facet fabrics, the Moda Ruby Star knit-themed fabrics, the Liberty Tanalon remnant fabrics. But wait, that's not all. <laughs> then... I see an email from AccuQuilt. Now, this is totally not planned. However, it has been in my mind for a few years since I have uh, been starting to deal with tendonitis in my arm. And then I had the shoulder issue uh, a couple years ago. The AccuQuilt electric die cutting machine. 
but it's expensive. It really is. But it's also, it's just like, that's kind of sort of like a down the road purchase that I always had in my mind. In comes this email in my inbox, Black Friday in January. And uh, certain machines were 44% off. I don't know why 44, but that's what they did. 44% off. Dye, a lot of their dyes were 44% off. That was, that's a significant discount. I was looking and I was really, I was only prob- I was only going to get the, still the little uh, crank machine where you turn the handle to roll the die through the machine. I was just going to get the size bigger because I've had uh, the smallest, the smallest die cutter of theirs, which is the, um, well, when I got it, it was called the um, Accu Quilt Baby, I think. Yeah, it's baby, the baby size. I think they then have switched it from baby to uh, me or something. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was the smallest size and I've had it for years. And recently, uh, the it's just the machine is kind of like seeing its wear and it's harder to roll the dies through. And it was just kind of like, I would avoid to use it because it was too hard to even like, you know, deal with anymore. And so I saw the 44% was off on the regular size die that takes, um, I think it took like up to six or seven inch size wide dies. You couldn't fit all the dies in there. So that's the other issue you run into. You get a certain size of their machine, but you can only use the certain size width of the die that will fit through that machine. The electric machine fits the size dies all the way up to 10 inches wide. So the only dies that are bigger are the ones that go into their huge professional studio machine, which is definitely I don't need. I looked at the electric machine and it wasn't part of the 44% off. So then I'm thinking and I'm hemming and hawing and I'm just like, oh, what do I do? And then I see this little banner pop up on the screen and at the top of it and it says $200 off the electric machine. So then I was just like, okay, all right, that's a sign. That's it. I'm doing it. And I got the electric machine and I got a few of the 44% off dies. I spent a lot of time on the website carefully picking out the dies because here's another thing that I've run into even with my small die cutter from them is that I would purchase some dies that are applique designs uh, and you know it's something that uh, you would I would use very minimally here and there and uh, so I wanted to invest in dyes where I would be using them and they would really be um, like functional for quilting and not just applique. So I got uh, the two and a quarter inch strip die. It will cut four uh, 24 inch long strips. And when the fabric is folded over, I mean, you could get the whole width of the fabric cut into two and a quarter inch strips. So that's great for binding. 
And then I got the three inch strip die. And this three inch strip is very versatile. It could be banding. It uh, it could be, um, well, not what am I saying, banding, borders. <laughs> and also for this tumbling block quilt that um, I still have yet to finish from the uh, CAFE workshop, it, you can cut the all of the diamonds and the triangles from the three inch strip. That will make that even that much more efficient and fast to to um, to do. Putting a lot of thought into how uh, I will use the dies and how often and um, making the right investment. Um, I'm pretty happy with those. Oh, and then I also got the half inch um, EPP hexagon die where it's got the um, both the size to cut the fabric and the papers, if you want to put papers, use papers inside of uh, uh, the hexagons. I could also put that hexiform in there. I have ordered a couple of the big sheets, and those can go through the die cutting machine as well. So I already have the uh, one-inch hexagon die um, which is set up the same way. It's got the the hexagons sized for the fabric and the slightly smaller size for uh, the paper. I'm pretty happy with it. It was actually a, a, a great purchase, even though it was not planned. It was sort of an impulse. But when you see things at those kind of prices and with prices soaring right now, I just thought I got to hop onto this. I just got to do it. I haven't used the machine yet. It is still in its box. Uh, I just, um, it's been taking a while just for me to heal and to get the energy to do things, but I have it in the spot where it's going to stay and I will be using it very, very soon. Yeah. And that concludes my retail confessions of January 2022. So now, probably until the rest of the end of the year, I have to be good. <laughs> Definitely. I am all set for making, sewing, and quilting for the rest of 2022. A lot of us in the Northern Hemisphere are in the snowiest time of the year. At least that's February is the snowiest time for the Chicago area. And last week, we did get our first major snowstorm. They were actually back to back, two snowstorms with a lot, lot of snow. I know it's a pain to shovel, snow blow, and drive through snowy conditions, but the trade-off is this beautiful white blanket of snow that insulates and softens all of the harshness of the city where I live. All of those harsh city sounds of traffic and horns and sirens uh, are more insulated and it feels so much more peaceful for me, at least. So I really enjoy the snow. Um, I mean, not so much blizzards, but this one, we got a considerable amount of snow and it still looks pretty and white. Uh, and it just, it was, it was just enough to be a pain, but not like a huge blizzard. People around here are like, okay, I hope that's, you know, the end of it. And 
I was, I'm like, no, I want it to like totally dump on us in February and to go away once spring starts in March and April, uh, because that doesn't always happen for us here. Uh, it, it could get like a little warmer in March and be a little tease. And then April will get a sudden snowstorm. So I prefer it to happen during the winter when it is supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm patient about that and I can wait. But once it starts getting into uh, infringing into my spring, then I'm like, snow, snow, go away. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it, I want to give a shout out to Francis Dowell because all of a sudden I saw a new episode pop up into my podcast app and I was like, what? Is this for real? Do we have a new episode from Frances? And yes, yes, it was. It was so nice to hear her voice and just everything that she was catching us up on. Uh, she is, um, I like when she records on her screened in a screened room or screened porch because you do get that background of the birds chirping and um, for me, it's just so fun to listen to Francis, and I'm so glad she is back. Yay! And speaking of Francis, she is going to be part of this new block of the month that I just signed up for. I just signed up for a block of the month, and it has been a few years since I have done any quilt alongs. Um, block of the months, anything like that. And uh, because I have never, I have yet to finish one of those. So I was just trying to, you know, stay focused on what I already had going on. However, this is, this one is um, hosted by Quilt Folk again, Jenny Smith and Kay Walsh. I loved the Quilt Folk Kay Fesset workshop in January so much that when I saw this is going to be their first ever block of the month um, as well, I was really interested. I went and read up on what it was all about. Again, it's very different. And I really am looking forward to it because it's not just, you know, here's your patterns and post your pictures every month. It's very interactive. It's virtual. The theme of it is patchwork and prose. It's uh, They call it a bookish block of the month. What I understand is that we will be making blocks that are an interpretation of book covers. Mary Fonz will do a presentation every month, and guests will be popping in as well, like our very own Frances Dowell and Margaret Fleischer. And I believe that this quilt or block of the month is kind of inspired by her quilt that she did. And it was it's exactly this, her interpretations of her favorite book covers. It's great. And we meet every month uh, on Zoom. I like it. It's a bit more interactive and fun. And we will learn things from these guests that will be coming in. And you can still join because it doesn't start until March 19th. And it runs through March of 2023 with one block per month for 12 months. It's pretty good. Let's move on to current makes and works in progress or whips. 
I made the Lucky Juju Cat doll from Katia Ferris, and this was from a class she did on Creative Bug. I watched this uh, in my downtime last month when I wasn't feeling well. I watched it from beginning to end and then watched it (laughs) a little bit more again. I just had to make this. I was so excited about it. It's so cute. My niece's birthday is coming up later in February, so it is the perfect gift for her. She is going to be, oh my gosh, she's going to be two. She was born just before the um, pandemic hit uh, in February of 2020. This Lucky Juju Cat doll is really cute, and it was something that I could do because at that time... I was really starting to go stir crazy, but yet I wasn't well enough to really like do anything walking around and stuff like that because you just, once you get up and you start doing stuff, you wear out and start coughing and just don't feel good. Your head is just, you know, it's all of that. I set up my little travel Bernina machine in our living room and right in front of my um, lounge chair. (laughs) And I did this whole little U-shaped sewing station where I didn't even have to move out of the chair, but uh, yet I could sew and make this project. And it's a small, it's a a stuffed uh, animal doll. And it it was the perfect project. I had so much fun making this, partly because I think I was just so craving Um, the need to make something, to sew something. This was the perfect project. And I had all of the notions in my stash. Uh, Essex linen. I found a pastel stripe fabric for the body, arms, and legs of the cat. I had the cream yarn for the knitted capelet and a little lawn fabric for the skirt. And I had even had a little mini pom-pom trim that I uh, sewed onto the skirt. Such a cute project. I posted a photo, I think I did, yes, on Instagram. I will also put it in the show notes here. It is so cute. And there was a lot of different techniques within this project. Uh, there was uh, machine sewing, of course, embroidery, with the features of the face, some hand stitching, and knitting. I knitted the little capelet. It is so cute. And it really came together pretty quickly. Yeah, it just, I really liked making it. And she's got a dog, a lucky juju doll, an owl, um, and other ones. I really highly recommend this creative bug class. And it's um, the only thing is that she does not usually in these classes, the instructors will um, have the PDF pattern as uh, part of the um, downloads that you get with the class. She had a download and it was the instructions how to knit the capelet and it was all the materials required, uh, but it was not the um, instructions to make the the cat doll. I had to go back and rewatch section by section as I was doing this. And finally, I, I think I was, I wasn't that far into it, but I thought, 
why don't I just watch this video, take notes, write down all of the steps, and that way I don't have to keep putting the video on and putting it on pause uh, for however long it took me to do that step. And that's what I did. And it went much more smoothly and efficiently. So that was the only, I guess if you could call it a caveat, were the instructions. Uh, however, her video is very good. And I think that was the other reason why it was so much fun to make was because her instruction was clear and um, easy to do. I'm currently working on the tendrils pot pattern from the, uh, it's a fairly recent book release by Joe Avery, and it's called Modern Cruel Embroidery. And this is the one where Emma Jones from the Vintage Sewing Box, she was my guest on the December episode, she made this for the book. I got the book and I flipped through it, um, all the pages, and it's definitely very heavy embroidery designs in the book. This particular one, Tendril's Pot, is really not too bad at all. And there are a couple of other cute designs in there, but there's also just very heavy, takes a long time type of embroidery projects in here. Uh, there's It's really pretty. So if you want to take the time, hand embroider this in a hoop, it's almost like an artwork. It's the mandala hoop. So it's a really bright and cheery mandala design. I think the uh, the pin cushion is cute and that doesn't have too much embroidery on it so you can get done with it fairly quickly. And the tendrils pot is not too bad either. Uh, I think I'm almost done with it. I'll, I'm, I have everything embroidered except for the stems. So I just started the stems last night and uh, it looks like it's gonna take a couple hours each evening to complete the four stems. And then all I have to do is sew it up and it's like a it's like a little round container, fabric container with no lid. Really, really cute. I really like this project. It's very cute. I might make another one, who knows. And the final work in progress at the moment is that Mandalorian quilt. And real quickly, I could not figure out what I was going to do for the background on the top of this quilt. All I had designed were the large applique pieces of the Mandalorian and the Baby Yoda. So the they were kind of in the center of the quilt top. And then it's a solid quilt top background. So I imported the, a picture that I took of that on my design wall into Procreate on my iPad. And... I started to add layers and to draw different things. And finally, I, I, it was like a light bulb and I was just like landscape, put like a landscape behind them of like one of the planets or that they're on. And so I did the, um, a, a big circle behind them that is like a setting sun and, um, some shadows of a mountain range in 
um, sort of perspective in the distance, and then a couple of the fighter jets, which this quilt is for my nephew, and he will love it. So I'm really happy that I got unstuck on the design part of it, and now I am moving forward to complete it. Okay, now I want to talk about this controversy that has exploded in our quilt universe. Frances talked about this in a couple of her new episodes that were published. And I, up till that point, didn't really know where this was stemming from. Um, I just saw some posts go up on Instagram, and it was clearly a controversy about using um, vintage and antique quilts to make clothing. When Frances talked about it, I needed to go see this video that she referenced. And the video was by Mary Fonz. And that is what has stirred the pot and created a bunch of hullabaloo about this specific topic. Now that I've watched this video twice, I want to share my take on the whole thing. Mary expressed her anger and sadness throughout the video. She even said she was angry and sad because she's passionate about American quilt history and preserving it. And this was directed towards fashion designers and online sellers who buy up hordes of vintage and antique quilts to cut up into clothing without regard. Uh, and as a quilter... I understand how this is a very real issue that is happening today. And it has happened in the past. If you watch her video, you'll find out she explains all of that. But only quilters know and understand the history and stories of quilts and how so much love, time, and effort goes into each quilt and each stitch and how much quilting is part of the American life, American his history. It's our history. Mary's trying to preserve, preserve that history. Uh, and because, as she said, there are a finite number of these quilts out there. And if they are all bought up and cut up, then we miss out on, miss out on that history. And a lot of these quilts tell stories, a maker has signed them, and so forth. And I'm sure there's a lot of undiscovered quilts out there. Uh, so that is what I understand she was talking about. Just imagine if the original Dear Jane quilt, which is now in a museum in Vermont, but imagine if it had not been discovered and... Uh, handled with respect. Imagine that it was cut up and made into um, a coat, I guess. That would be sad. Dear Jane stuff would just be wiped out of our history. We would not even know about it. I would not even be able to talk about it today. That is what she's talking about. And it may be like, if you imagine it in a modern sense, what if 100 years down the road, Bisa Butler, one of her quilts that isn't already in a museum, what if one of those got scooped up and cut up and 
just um, wasn't understood to be a treasure, a treasure of our quilt con- quilting history and country. The fashion designers that do not quilt, they don't have a clue of the meaning of this. They just think it's a cool retro textile that they can make um, uh, trendy clothing out of. I think she hopes to get her message out to those who are really abusing the vintage and antique historical quilts and the quilt footprint uh, or history that is quickly disappearing. So we can differ on loving or hating quilt clothing. She really just disdains all clothing made from quilt stuff. (laughs) Uh, So I don't. I, I like it. Uh, and I want a quilt coat. I want to make one, but I don't want to make it from a vintage or antique quilt. Uh, I, I have some orphan quilt blocks, and I um, have in my mind, you know, what I um, am dreaming it up that I want it to be. So one day I will make that quilt coat. I have my great-grandmother's quilt top. And it's very old, and it has a history. It has great meaning to me and my family. And I have, uh, I want to honor it, and I have not decided how I want to do that, whether I finish the quilt or I leave it as is. I definitely think I want it to be displayed um, as a wall hanging, although it is a big quilt top. But it's still, that could look really gorgeous on a wall. Um, And I could probably even rotate it like the quilt museums do and only pull it out for certain times of the year. Uh, So that's like my own, um, I guess, conversation I'm having with myself on how to honor my great-grandmother's quilt top. I get it. I get what Mary is trying to say and trying to educate the people out there. She's just a little angry right now. And her use of the word appropriation is a little questionable. She says uh, appropriation of quilt culture. Uh, So, but, you know, I just, I get it. I get what she's saying. I'm not going to be, you know, uh, uber offended uh, with her saying it, because I also think that there is a hypersensitivity out there. And some people just like to look for things to be uh, offended about. So that's not me. Towards the end, she gives alternatives. So what I liked about this video, too, is that she expressed the, the problem and she addressed the arguments and she brought a solutions. So her solutions were to repair and restore old quilts, uh, make it garments inspired by quilts, and other things. So you can watch the video. The one thing I am concerned about is uh, that this is going to invite snap judgments, meaning if someone, let's say, in the, your family made a quilt 20 years ago, they are giving it away, or maybe you sew clothing and you want to make yourself a quilt coat, and you ask your aunt, is this quilt, you know, can, do you have any quilts that I could use? 
and she gives it to you. She gives you a quilt. Then I, I don't see anything wrong with that. So we have to be careful on judging people when we see um, quilt made articles of clothing and so forth. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about the topic, and then I'm done. I read a lot of the comments uh, under the video that Mary posted. And of course, many comments expressed outrage with venomous words and um, just sardonic phrases that really aren't necessary. Uh, I know that the video was provoking and uh, making fun of different types of fashion styles out there, which I really didn't understand what that had to do with the topic at hand, but it was in the video. So yes, that opens up the door for comments. But I mean, come on, we don't have to get that mean. That, that It's like a, a huge epidemic in all social media platforms. So I'm just saying like, you can disagree, but just be nice about it. Just respectfully disagree. And I did see some, a few, <laughs> a few comments that were very respectful, but they did have to disagree. And, you know, that's it. That's all you need to do. All right, done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, this is a long episode. So if you need to listen to it in, in different chunks of time, please do that. It's been a long time since I chatted with you. Last month in January, on the 12th, we lost a precious member of our quilting and crafting YouTube community, Melanie Ham. I think based on the amount of followers that she had, and uh, I've heard her on podcasts, uh, a lot of people definitely knew about her channel and really had a love for her. Um, and the last few years, she's gone through a really tough fight with cancer. Um, and, I, you know, she came back and she started doing videos again. So everyone thought that, you know, she had overcome and beat it. And then this happened over the last uh, several months. So um, she was really an inspiration for me regarding starting my own YouTube channel. Uh, she has she had an easy, friendly way about her, and uh, many thousands of subscribers loved her, including my 13-year-old niece, who I didn't even tell her about the channel. But after she spent a weekend sewing with me last year, she started to, because I told her, I said, look at YouTube, uh, YouTube videos. You could just look up something that you're stuck on, or of course, FaceTime me. And my niece could not wait to tell me all about this YouTube channel that she watches and loves. And it was Melanie Ham. Yeah, she, Melanie touched so many lives. I just want to acknowledge how Melanie's work inspired me and that I'm so sad that she was taken too soon. All right. I don't want to end the show on a depressing note. So let's talk about what I've been watching. Netflix, HBO, YouTube. So let's, yeah, let's talk about this. 
Okay, Netflix. There is a series called Morocco, Love in Times of War. This is a Spanish series, and it's about these high society women from Madrid, and they are opening and operating a Red Cross hospital uh, somewhere in Morocco, and this is during the Rif War, the war between Spain and Morocco. The show is really good, and it it has that, you know, era piece about it that I love with the costumes and the architecture and the decorating, uh, and uh, it, <laughs> this one is kind of like a soap opera. There is like this love triangle and they're back and forth and flipping and flopping and dramatic, but it's so good. It's it's just really good. So um, yeah, I would recommend that series. And another one on Netflix is called Raising Dion. This has been out for a while because the second season just came out. So I hadn't seen the first season yet. So I watched both seasons <laughs> and it's really a cute show. Uh, it's about this boy with superpowers and um, there's drama and he has a great mother who tries to protect him from the bad guys. Uh, it's so cute. It's great to watch with, you know, families, with your kids. There's stuff in there for adults that's, you know, is 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 good. It's it's a clean, very good family show and it's very interesting, very entertaining. Moving on to Hulu, this one uh is called The First Wave and a lot of people probably would not want to watch this. It is I mean, it it can be super highly depressing. Uh and I wasn't sure. I watched the trailer and I'm like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to watch this, but I did. I'm glad that I did. This is a documentary that follows a hospital on Long Island, New York. It's called the uh, Long Island Jewish Hospital. And they followed uh, this hospital during the first days of COVID. And it really gives a real close-up look at what these doctors and nurses on the front lines and the patients went through during this first wave of COVID where nobody knew what was happening with this virus. They follow a couple of patients that uh, survive and make it and what a long road it was. They This uh, happened over a period of four months from March until June, I believe. And it's it's really good, although I did cry a lot. Uh, there's very touching scenes. You see how invested these doctors and nurses get with their patients, and they really care. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just want to put that out there because it really is a good thing to see. Um, and it, just to give you a glimpse of... of you know, if you don't work in a hospital, um, of what they went through. Okay, on HBO, oh my gosh, this is my new favorite show, The Gilded Age. So Julian Fellows, who wrote Downton Abbey, 
is the writer and creator of this show, The Gilded Age. And it it is like an American Downton Abbey. It takes place in 1882, New York. And the, the Gilded Age was a time where there was rapid growth, um, economic growth. And um, it was due to industrialization. There was a demand for, for laborers and the railway, railroad, ugh, railways were the big thing. So that was the big industry and where people were getting rich, amongst other things. Uh, but it also was an era of poverty and inequality. And it became more and more visible and contentious uh, as the disparity between these two, um, I guess, classes uh, to, you know, it, it was just hard. It was hard for the people who who were living in, and there was definite in that world. And there was definitely that upstairs, downstairs thing going on still. Um, okay. So Christine Baranski She's from The Good Wife. She, she, her character is like the Dowager Duchess from Downton Abbey. If you watch that show, she gets all the sardonic one-liners that are really good. So um, I'll just say this one: it's not going to ruin anything for you. But um, there's three episodes out now. But on one of the episodes, um, she's talking to her son, <laughs> and he said something to her, and she said. When you say those words, you stab me in the side. It's just, it's so dramatic and it's just such a good, you know, she just has those little, little barbs and one-liners that makes this show even more fun to watch. And Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City is, plays her sister, Christine Baranski's sister. So it's Agatha and, um, oh my gosh, I forgot the other one's name. (laughs) Uh, Agnes and Ada. I think that's what it is. So, and and Cynthia Nixon, her character is the antithesis of what her Miranda character is from Sex and the City. So it's really fun to watch her in this role. So I really highly recommend The Gilded Age, and it's on HBO. Amazon Prime. So this isn't really my show. This is my husband's show, but it's... It was really um, I, fun to watch. I, I at first I was kind of like, you know, not wanting to watch it, and I just based on the trailer, I didn't like the guy that was in this character. He just, uh, and uh, because you know who played that character before him was um, Tom Cruise, and so my husband's like, no, this guy, he is more like how the author, you know wrote about in the book, the author is Lee Child. I um, begrudgingly watched. And then um, he was like I thought he was in the first couple of episodes. And then his character develops and it really became a very good show. If you want a show to watch with your husband, then this would be a show. <laughs> oh, and it would be nice if I actually told you what it was about. It is set in Georgia. And I think it's close to the Alabama and Tennessee borders, and the main character, which the show is named after, Reacher, is a 
highly decorated military guy who is not in the military anymore. And now he's just traveling around wherever he wants to go. This town that he ends up in, uh, there's he just stumbles into like a hornet's nest. And there are murders and investigations, and he helps to figure it all out. So action-packed. Uh, okay, let's move on to YouTube. So Sugary Dew, um, the YouTube channel by uh, Irina, she was a guest on my show a few years ago, and she's based in the Netherlands, and uh, her business has grown since the time I've talked to her, and now she is a Bernina ambassador, and she does quilt-alongs. Uh, I think it's Bernina sponsored. So she had a quilt along in January. I think it may be like just a seven week thing. So it may be wrapping up by now, but all the videos are on there. She likes to do a large, easy paper pieced quilts. And that's what this one is. And it's really good. So I, I, I like uh, checking in and watching her show uh, still. And another one that's new for me is called Pay It Forward. And it's the Lisa Pay in Australia, but she makes stuffed animals. So she's won awards for things that she has made. And stuffed animals and other sewing projects. She has a lot of free patterns. And uh, the stuff that she makes is so cute. And so... Uh, maybe if I ever get time, I might make one of her stuffed animals. We'll see. But she really makes like serious, serious stuffed animals, <laughs> like with the with the eye, real eyes and not real eyes, but you know what I mean? The eyes and she's got like the joints that go by the neck and the legs so that they move. So some of some of those get really like involved, but she also has some other simple ones that are meant to be like um, children's toys and squished and everything. Otherwise, these other ones, I think, are more decorative or I don't know, <laughs> but it's a really it's a really good channel. Pay it forward. And I have also subscribed to Jenny Smith's channel, and she was the one that uh, was the in main instructor on the uh, KFSET workshop I did in January. So I also purchased her Hepworth apron. It's a really cute apron. Um, I am going to have to grade it out to be a little bigger. But uh, she has videos on the Hepworth apron, so I'll be watching those and um, making her apron. And then another one that's not new, but Fruity Knitting, uh, Andrea, there's an episode uh, that she has done with her sister, and it is so cute. And in most of her videos towards the end, she shows little videos of her nieces, and they're these cutest little girls, and they are knitters. I mean, they're just knitting away on the beach in Australia. So cute. So I really love that show. And that's what I've been watching lately. All right, we did it. We're actually at the end of this long episode. Um, but I got one more thing. So if you listen to the Simple Handmade Everyday podcast with Kristen Esser, uh, you will know that I am helping her with her master bath renovation project. 
And when this project is complete, Kristen has graciously agreed to come onto my podcast to chat about it. I listened to her podcast, and when she was talking about uh, the bath project, the renovation project, and she was so frustrated and just, you know, was having a hard time deciding where to start, I wanted to reach out to her and just, you know, help her a bit. Bathroom and kitchen renovation projects can be very tricky and overwhelming. There's a lot uh, to think about, and the hardest things, I think, are figuring out the plumbing fixtures, sinks, uh, and faucets, showers, tile, uh, appliances, all of that. And then all of that has to be done in consideration of how you're going to use the room as with any room, but also making sure you have the correct, you know, amount of circulation, which means, you know, walking through the space, uh, especially in kitchens. And uh, you don't want to make a mistake because these are expensive rooms to renovate. All you have to do is break things down and take it one step at a time. And you really do have to make um, a priorities list and um, you have to decide on things in the order that they will be installed in. If you can get those couple of things down, then it won't be as overwhelming or difficult to accomplish. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun project, and I hope that you enjoy it. Okay, this brings us to the end of the episode, and I want to thank you for listening. And don't forget about the Make and Decorate group on Mighty Networks. It's a place for creative inspiration from your fellow makers and me. And for questions you have on anything quilty, crafty, and decorating, there are also other knitters in the group that are more advanced than I am. So feel free to join us. Join us and post what you're making and post if you're stuck on something. I know all of us would be happy, happy to help. All right. Enjoy the rest of the week. And uh, if you're into the Super Bowl this weekend... I think I'm leaning towards uh, Cincinnati. They haven't won in decades. The story of their season is really great. I I, I mean, I, I have no loyalty to either team, but that's the one that I think I'm going to root for in, in this uh, game this weekend. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. For extended show notes with links and photos to what we've talked about, visit my podcast blog at makeanddecorate.com. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.